today we are going to have holy orders doctrine on holy orders and next week we'll have the doctrine on marriage by karen To know what a priest is, we have to know what sacrifice is. Nowadays, the word sacrifice is used in many different ways, but in its strict meaning, its original meaning, a sacrifice is the offering of a gift to God by a group through the agency of someone who has the right to represent the group. The purpose of such an offering is to give group worship to God. That is to acknowledge God's supreme lordship over mankind, to thank him for his blessings, to atone for human sin, and to beg for his benefits. It is not that God needs our gifts. Everything that exists was made by God in the first place. Even a mountain of diamonds would of itself have no value in God's eyes until Jesus gave us himself as the perfect gift in the sacrifice of the mass. Nothing that man could offer to God was really worthy of God. Nevertheless, it is pleased to God from the very beginning of the human history to have a man act out his feelings towards God by means of sacrifice. So from all that God has given, man would take the very best whether it was a lamb or a bullock or fruit or grain, and offer it back to God, destroying it upon an altar to symbolize the act of giving. So these were only token gifts, like the Christmas necktie, which a poor man might give to his rich and generous uncle, but the gifts express better than good words the deepest sentiments of the human heart towards God. O oh, Almighty God, the gift would say, I know that all which I have, I have from you. I thank you for the, your bounty. I beg your forgiveness for not serving you better. Please be good and merciful to me anyway. So sacrifice in short is prayer in action. It is the prayer in action of a group. And the one who offers the sacrifice is the name of the group is the priest. Since men have offered sacrifice to God from the very beginning of the human race, so also have there been priests from the very beginning. In the period of biblical history, the age of the patriarchs, it was the father of the family who was also the priest. It was the father of the family who offered sacrifices to God for himself and his family. Adam was priest in his family. So were Noah and Abraham and all the other family heads, priests for their families. In time of Moses, however, God directed that the priesthood of his chosen people, the Jews, should henceforth belong to the family of Aaron of the tribe of Levi. The oldest son in each generation of Aaron's descendants would be the high priest and the other Levites would be his assistants. When the old law ended with the establishment of the new law by Christ, the priesthood of the old law has become to an end. 
the law of love would have a new sacrifice and a new priesthood. The Last Supper, Jesus instituted the holy sacrifice of the Mass. In this new sacrifice, the gift offered to God would be a mere token gift, such as a sheep or an ox or bread and wine. The gift now, for the first time and always, would be a gift worthy of God. It would be the gift of God's own Son, a gift of infinite value, even as God himself is infinite. In the Mass, under the appearance of bread and wine, Jesus would daily renew the once and for all, forever offering, which upon the cross he made of himself to God. In the Mass, he would give to uh, each of us, his baptized members, the opportunity to unite ourselves with him in that offering. But who would be the human priest who would stand at the altar, the human agent whose hands and whose lips Christ would use for the offering of himself? Who would be the human priest to whom Christ would give the power of making, making the God-man present upon the altar under the appearance of bread and wine? There were 11 such priests. To begin with, it is not certain that Judas was present at the time the apostles were made priests. At the Last Supper, as we know, Jesus made his apostles priests when he gave them the command and with the command, the power to do what he had just done. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. It was his, this power, the power to offer sacrifice in the name of Christ and of Christ's mystical body, his church, which means you and me united to Christ by baptism, which made the apostles priest. To the power of changing bread and wine into his body and blood, Jesus on Easter Sunday night added the power to forgive sins in his name, receive the Holy Spirit, he said whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. This power of the priesthood which Christ conferred upon his apostles was not to die with them. Jesus came to save the souls of all people, whoever would live down to the end of the world. Consequently, the apostles passed their priestly power on the other men in the ceremony which we now call the sacrament of holy orders. In the Acts of the Apostles, we read of one of the first, if not the first, ordinations by the apostles. And the plan met the approval of the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. This they set before the apostles, and after they had prayed, they laid their hands upon them. It was as deacons that these men were ordained, not yet as priests but gives us the picture of the apostles sharing and passing on to others the sacred power 
which Jesus had bestowed upon them. As time went on, the apostles consecrated more bishops to carry on their work. These bishops in turn ordained other bishops and priests, and this bishop in their turn still others, so that the Catholic priest of today can truly say that the power of his priesthood has come down in the sacrament of holy orders in unbroken line from Christ himself. There are two notable ways in which the sacrament of holy orders differs from the other sacraments. One is the fact that holy orders can be administered only by a bishop. Only a bishop has the power to ordain priests. An ordinary priest cannot pass his power on to another. The second way in which the holy orders differs from other sacraments is that holy orders is not received all at once. When we were baptized, we were completely by, baptized by the single pouring of water. When we are confirmed, we are completely confirmed in a single ceremony. Holy orders, however, is given by degrees, by successive steps. Like a flower developing from bud to full bloom, so does the sacrament of holy orders unfold itself through three stages as it confers successively the powers of deacon, priest, and bishop. Deaconship, priesthood, and bishopric are the three stages in the sacrament of holy orders as it was instituted by Christ. At each stage, as in every sacrament, there is an increase in sanctifying grace. And each stage, there is the imprinting of a character upon the soul, each successive character, like a progressively brighter sun, and enveloping and containing the one that has gone before. In that character are rooted the right and the power that belong to the order which is being received. For the deacon, it is the right to baptize, to preach and to administer Holy Communion. For the priest, it is the power to change bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ and to forgive sins. For the bishop, who alone has the complete fullness of the priesthood, it is the power to confirm and to ordain, to pass the power of priesthood onto the others in the sacrament of holy orders. Then, Besides the increase in sanctifying grace and the priestly character with its accompanying power, there is the special sacramental grace which gives to the one ordained a claim upon God for whatever actual graces he may need in the faithful discharge of his office. For priests and, of course, bishops, holy orders configures them to Christ in a special way so that they can act in the person of Christ the head. Through the sacrament of holy orders, the Holy Spirit imparts that tremendous and almost unbelievable power to call Jesus Christ himself down upon the altar. It is in the sacrifice of the mass that the priest exercises the supreme degree of his sacred office. 
This is the supreme sacrifice offered in the divine worship in the person of Christ in persona Christi, by which the priest act as a true priest of the covenant. We must also remember that it is only by this sacred ordained power to act in persona Christi that the priest has the power to forgive in Christ's name the sins of men. No priest would and could wish for men than this extraordinary privilege of acting in persona Christi. As he bends each morning over the bread and the wine, lending his lips to Christ as he speaks Christ's words, this is my body, this is my blood. The priest time and again feels all but crushed by the sense of his own unworthiness, by the consciousness of his human weakness. He would be crushed too if it were not for the grace of the sacrament of holy orders, which God infallibly gives to those who humbly ask it. It is of course this power to offer sacrifices, this power to offer the perfect gift to God in the name of God's people that distinguishes a priest from a Protestant minister. The minister does not have the power to offer sacrifice, which is precisely what makes a priest a priest. Indeed, Protestant ministers do not have belief in such a power to offer sacrifice. One notably exception to this belief is the clergy of the High Episcopalian Church or the Anglican Church. These Anglican clergy do consider themselves priests and bishops, but the Catholic does not recognize them as such. The reason is simple. There is no one who can impart to them the power of priesthood. Back in the 16th century, <clears throat> the leaders of the Anglican Church eliminated all reference <clears throat> to the, excuse me, to the mass and the power of the sacrifice from their ordination ceremony. Without the intention of ordaining sacrificing priests, the sacrament of holy orders is invalid. It is not holy orders. In fact, that is true of any sacrament. <clears throat> Whoever gives a sacrament must have the intention of doing what the sacrament is supposed to do, or the sacrament is invalid. That is how true priests and bishops died out in the Anglican Church. Once the intention of ordained sacrificing priests and bishops was taken out of the ordination service, the line of succession by which the power of the priesthood has come down to us, from Christ to the apostles, to bishops, to bishop to bishops, was broken ago when the Anglican Church rejected the whole idea of the Mass as a sacrifice of priesthood. In the sacrament of holy orders, Christ has provided us with the essential link to himself. Above all, holy orders makes possible the extraordinary gift of the sacrifice of Mass, a gift from Christ himself. 